Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. If I offend anybody today by wearing blue jeans and no tie and no coat, I'm sorry. I got to tell you, I got up this morning, went to get the suit, it don't fit. The shoes, I blowed the sole out on the shoes. So I said, all right, we'll try this pair of pants here. I got that pair of pants out. Got another shirt ironed, put all that on, tried to make something happen, put the belt on the shoes. I walked in to look on my wife, said, nope, that ain't working either. I said, well, I ain't got but one other option, and that's boots and blue jeans. So that's what it ended up being today. So I hope, I hope that don't offend anybody. If I could have got the suit on and got in it and uh, come up with a pair of shoes, I might have made that work. But I uh, talked to Kenny, and... Um, he brags on y'all so much, and I got to tell you, he's got all the reason to. The music this morning, I, I'm sitting there thinking, give me another 30 minutes of this. That's something, that, man, that's really good. I mean, it, it's not often that my eyes go to leaking, but uh, when you come into the presence of the Lord and you know that he's with you, that's what happens. My eyes, they just go to leaking, and you know, your heart starts to beat a little different, and just overwhelmed. God is so good. And how He spoke to us already this morning. And that's, that's here, and Kenny gets that from y'all every week, and he feels loved. And I want you to know that Kenny and Lynn absolutely love y'all. They do. Uh, y'all have got something else with them two right there. There's nobody else in the world like Kenny and Lynn. And we, we call them Ken and Lenny. But good to be back here again. I have enjoyed the last two times I've got to come and, and share with you. And I've been looking forward to today. Acts chapter 2. We're going to jump right in here. And before we do, I was going to say don't stand up. Because <laughs> you'll be standing up for a whole, the whole time we uh, are going through this uh, passage of Scripture here. Because I, I don't do like a formal reading, like three or four verses like I was taught to do. Um, I, I get about at the beginning of the chapter and go till we're done. Um, I, I don't follow along the outlines and the, the titles and stuff like I was definitely taught to do in school and uh, has been suggested. That just ain't me. It's not how it works. Um, so I got to do it the way that it comes to me, and that's just get in here and go. I love that y'all stand up. I love it. I absolutely love it. Respect it. We, we stand to pledge the flag. We ought to stand and, and pledge our allegiance to the Bible, right? So when the word is spoke, I love that you stand up. But let's, let's stay seated today. Unless I feel like we can do that at some point, I'll try to. Um, Acts chapter 2, starting there in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, it's giving us a time frame. It's setting the, the stage here. Giving us an, a, a time when things is going on here. And I got to fill in just a little bit. I've been looking at Peter. That's who's, who's going to be speaking here. Uh, who ends up preaching. And, and the focal kind of point here is Peter. And I've been looking at Peter before and after shot. Okay? The before and after shot of Peter. Before the death and resurrection and now after. There was just a short time frame going on here, and it telling us that when the day of Pentecost came, there's a whole, it's called um, the week, or a festival of weeks. For seven weeks, there's festivals going on, and that's what all, they come together, everybody's coming into the towns, into the cities, they're all gathering together to celebrate these feasts. 
And we know that Jesus, the death and resurrection, was kind of hurried along because of what? The Passover. It's in amongst these feasts. So about seven weeks' time, all these things are going on. And we, you know, we know the story about Peter. Peter was one of the, the inner circles, right? He was included in on so many things that the rest of the disciples and apostles didn't get to see or do, right? I mean, who, who walked on water? Peter. Did the rest of them get to do that? No, just Peter. Who was standing there whenever at the, the Mount of Transfigurations? Peter. Peter got to see some amazing things. Peter was also one that often was the first to speak up, right? Before fully understanding things, he often would blurt out something. He was the opinionated. He was the guy that got himself into trouble, spoke too soon, right? He was the one at, at the table when, at the Last Supper that said, Christ, I'm going to follow you no matter the cost. I'll follow you even unto death. But what did the Lord tell him? Before morning, you're going to deny me three times, to which he did. But then Peter gets to see Jesus, the, the resurrected Lord, again on the shoreline while he's going back to his old ways. I'm going fishing, man. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going fishing. He said, I'm going fishing. But when he realized that's Christ on the shoreline, he did what? He jumped out of that boat again. I think that he thought he was going to walk on water again then. But he jumped out of the boat to the shore he goes and he sits down. And who got the message from the Lord then? They were all there. They all said, I'm going with you fishing. They were all present. But who did Jesus speak to and give the message to? Three times he told Peter, take care of my sheep. Lead my sheep. Care for my sheep. He told Peter this. Broke Peter's heart. And here, they've gathered together, all the disciples, they've gathered together in this upper room. And they're praying, what do we do now? What are we supposed to do now? Amen. And something amazing happens. Before we continue reading, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to gather together with your people. Father, how I love to come into your presence, to hear songs that glorify you, to read from your word. Father, I pray right now that if there's anybody that's come in here and not already asked for forgiveness of sins, to be wiped clean. God, I pray they do that right now. Let there be nothing in this room that hinders your spirit from moving freely. God bless everybody that's here today. Get me out of the way, Father, and you speak to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've set the stage. So at the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. When you and I believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we trust in Him, we receive the promised Holy Spirit. And I wonder how much we're living like we're filled with that same Spirit. It's the same Spirit that filled them in that room. 
It's the same Spirit that's enabled them to do all kinds of miracles. You know that Jesus wasn't the only one that healed people and did great miracles. The apostles did those same things. And He told them, you'll do greater things because of who I'm sending you. The Holy Spirit. You and I still have that today. We have the Holy Spirit for all who believe. And He's given us power and strength and boldness, enabling us to do things. Look at this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, all kinds of languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Let me remind you, these were fishermen. These were working guys. These were not uh, white-collared guys. Only one of them was a doctor, right? One was a tax collector. The rest of them were working guys. They were like construction guys. Rough class, working guys, dirty hands, likely not that great education, kind of like this one right here. So there's no way they studied up right quick and learned, if you count them right here, in these next few verses, about 12 languages. Two of them might have been their own. Okay, Among the disciples, there was probably two languages spoken. So there's 14 peoples right here named, and two of them were likely their own language. So they learned 12 languages in just a matter of weeks. There's no record of the Bible telling us through the time they were with Jesus that he was teaching them all these languages. So it was not their own education. It was not by their own strength or anything else that they did this, that they spoke these other languages. It was by the Holy Spirit enabling them. So what does that tell you and me today? That whatever we need, whatever God needs us to do, whatever He needs to equip us with, He will give us when we need it. God meets our needs when we need it. Got it? Now, that's what the Word says. That's what it tells me right here, and I believe it to be true, but it's really firmed up in my heart and in my mind because I know it in my life. Do you know it in yours? I know it in my life to be true because, see, all through school, I absolutely struggled in English. Struggled in English. I still to this day, I have to ask my kids how to spell things. And they're like, Daddy, why don't you know how to spell this? I know, son, you're eight years old and you know it all. I'm sorry, I'm just making sure you know how to spell it. <laughs> I could not spell. I did not read well. When it came to reading and comprehension skills and stuff like that, it was awful. Awful. Always in the remedial classes. I mean, really, if I'm being totally honest here, if it wasn't for a handful of girls and my mom, I would not have made it through high school. Would not have made it. It got to the point where in high school, I had a couple of English teachers that absolutely did not like me. Because I'd walk in there first of the year and tell them, look, don't call on me in class to read. Don't catch me off guard and ask ask me to answer a question. And I will not give a report in front of the class. First in the class, last to leave. Reason being is because I didn't walk in front of other people like in the class and stuff. First one, back of the room. Last one to leave. I hid behind a real pretty girl if we was out in public. She's now my wife. So, I mean, that's, I was really shy. And there was no way. One of my teachers challenged me on that, and I did. I got up and I walked out. I took an F. I wasn't doing it. 
I wasn't going to stand before people and read and give a report because I had to read it a million times over to figure out what in the world it was talking about. And when you told me to find the main idea and things like that, it, it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. But God calls me to preach, and I'm thinking, have you lost your mind, Lord? Because all it is is reading comprehension, getting up and, and giving a report every week. Have you lost your mind? But it's the only thing that I've ever, ever been able to read. I love motorcycles and hot rods and, and all that kind of stuff. I love it. And I can read those magazines and not have a clue who I just read about or what they were doing. But I can take this word right here. And it's amazing to me what God does. It ain't me. It's what the Lord enables me to do. So there's proof. It firms it up with me. What is God doing in your life to firm it up and make it solid? Now, I just tell you, because we don't, we don't just learn from, from hearing it, do we? We've got to learn from experiencing it. We do. Every single one of us, it's got to, we're like, every one of us, prove it, right? Okay, you've told me, but now show me. Show me give me some proof, some hard evidence that this is really what happens. So I'm asking you, what is it in your life that God's asking you to do that He's saying, let me prove it to you. Let me firm this up for you. I enable you to do great things. Great things, because God does everything great. He says, let me do great things in you. Let me enable you, equip, equip you with the things you need to fulfill my purpose. So it's the Holy Spirit that enables them. Let's jump on down halfway through verse 11. It gives a whole bunch of those people groups that, that have gathered together, all those languages that they were speaking. Halfway through 11, the people said, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. And that answers, why did the Holy Spirit enable them to speak all these languages? So they could all hear about the wonders of God. Was it to glorify their names, to make them more popular, more successful, more more well-known, more liked? Absolutely not. It was not about those apostles. It was not about Peter and any of them getting more popular, anything like that. It was simply because God wanted the wonders of Him. The things, the great things He has done, the things He has done for them, and how He loves them. He wanted all to know, not just some that were favored, not some that they liked and got along with. He wanted all those people. Look at the people that are in that, included in that, and are there. I mean, it was the Egyptians that had enslaved these people for so long. So many of them have come against and still come against the Jewish people today, against God's people. But God wanted them all to know the wonders that He has done. All the great things He has done. He's sharing with them. He has equipped them to do what He needed them to do so that everybody could know. Verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them. So look at this. What does that tell you? You and I, we start doing the will of God. We start going out and working for Him. We step stepping out on trust, doing things that we're uncomfortable doing, that we couldn't even believe that we could ever do. We start stepping out there, and some people start to make fun of us. Question us. What are they doing? What are they thinking? Doubting. Whatever. They're questioning the authority of God and how He is authorizing what we do. What He's equipping us to do. I hope we don't fall into that foolish group. So Peter addresses them, verse 14. 
Peter stood up with the eleven. I wonder if you noticed that. This is after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and somebody out of the disciples is gone, right? One of them's gone. The one that betrayed him. He hung himself. He's dead and gone. But here, Peter and the eleven, there's somebody been added. Look back in chapter 1 there, the last verse, and you'll see who's been added among them. So Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully and do what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. What do people do when they get together for festivals and things like that? When they gather up in the cities? They're often doing a lot of drinking and stuff, right? That's the same back then. Nothing's changed. Same back then. But Peter says it's nine in the morning. Don't accuse them of being drunk. This is something greater. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You want to stand right here? This is him quoting the Old Testament. Listen carefully. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I wonder, do you recognize it? Do you recognize it when you see visions? When you dream dreams? Maybe one day I'll have the opportunity to share some with you. I believe too often we overlook them. I believe God speaks to us when we lay down at night. When we're so tired and can't do nothing else and we haven't given Him enough attention throughout the day. I think sometimes we lay there and He speaks to us in our dreams if we'll listen. If we only recognize it. These things are happening. Men have visions, they have dreams. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day. All right, you can be seated right there. We're definitely seeing these things, and, and I could be wrong here. If I'm wrong and one of you are great at studying prophecy and, and knowing what has to happen and all that, and, and I've missed something, you let me know. But as far as I know, everything's been fulfilled. That the Bible says is supposed to happen before the coming. He can come. Everything the stage is set, He can come. We're ready for the arrival. Everything that's been said there, the prophesying, the dreams, the visions, the wonders in the heavens above and the signs on earth below. Do we not see all kinds of weather changes and things happening? I mean, do you, do you hear all the stuff that's going on? Some of you has been around long enough to know that our weather patterns are different. They're different. Weather's more extreme. They say the tornadoes are getting stronger and bigger all the while and more frequent. All this is getting, the floods are more often. I mean, the ice caps are melting. All this stuff is happening. There, that's on earth, right? And we're hearing about things going on in the, in the heavens too, and the stars and all that stuff. There's things going on up there. They're still finding new planets. Blood and fire. 
Just think back of all the blood that's been shed fighting these wars. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, the Bible says. There's been so much blood shed. The billows of smoke, I'm reminded of the Twin Towers. How they look like two big, huge chimneys just pouring smoke out of them. And they fell and all the dust covered the city. I'm reminded of that. And how that's burning so many of our minds. Man, I remember exactly where I was at when I heard it was happening. And the sun will be turned to darkness. How long ago was that we had the total eclipse? I was told, I don't know how true it is, but I was told multiple times that when we had that eclipse, that it went from the southeast corner of the United States and it was visible to the northwest corner of the United States, like a black mark across it. I can't help but think that it's a warning. If this country don't stop killing babies, I mean abortion. If this country don't stop doing that, if this, if this country don't, man, if we don't turn, if we don't repent, if we don't see a revival and a great awakening in this country right now, I believe there's been too many warnings. The black mark is there. And the moon to blood. What have they been calling these crazy moons we've been seeing? The blood moons. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. They some severe warnings and troubling words there, right? Look out. Troubling. Unsettling. But I still see it, man, when the Lord comes. And I look for it. I look for it. When you see those clouds doing crazy things and that ray of light comes out through there and it's in the distance, man, I'm like, right there. That'd be a good one for you to ride down, Lord. And I look for it. What a glorious day that we see our Lord come down in the clouds and we be called up to Him and all the dead in Christ rise. What a glorious day. Verse 21. Joel spoke these words. Peter's quoting them. He says to him, Even though, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says, There's no need to lose hope. No need to be troubled. Because anyone who calls on the name of this Lord, this Jesus that I'm telling you about, the one that's enabling us to speak these tongues and bring, come to you right now, the one that's given Peter the strength to stand up and address this crowd that just crucified his Lord, his King, his friend. He's standing up and addressing them. He's like, no, they're not drunk. Listen here, this is what's going on. And he tells them, look, you can still be saved. No need to lose hope. There's still a, a, hope, a promise. There's still a, a, a salvation awaiting you, forgiveness, everything that you need. There's something right here that you can get a hold of right now. Just listen to me. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through Him, as you yourselves know. Accredited by God. He was authorized, officially recognized by God. It's not Peter's testimony, the apostles' testimony. It's no man's testimony. It is God the Father's testimony that gives Jesus Christ the the 
authority and the uh, official, he's officially recognized to do this job. He's been given everything. The essentials have been met in him for salvation and everything the people need. It belongs to this man by God, Jesus Christ. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge way back before any of us were here, way before this ever occurred. Christ knew, God knew the plan that He had. Boy, I'm blown away by this. I really am. I, I'm always set back by this. You and I, we know we've heard the story of salvation. So we've heard the good news. We know what He did, right? He died on the cross to pay for my sins. Are you like me? And have you, have you ever stopped and... Why? Why did... Why? Why did it have to be like that? I'm the one that messed up. I'm the one that sinned. This is the perfect Lord right here. Why did it have to come down on him? I don't know, man. I don't understand it. But I can accept it. I think, I mean, it just, because I'm a simple person right here. How many of y'all like trucks? Anybody like trucks? Big trucks? Diesel-powered trucks? Four-wheel drive trucks? Four-door, long bed? Four-wheel drive diesel trucks? Y'all like trucks, right? I can't explain the things of God. I just, I can't. And sometimes you, you, you meet people that you can't explain either, right? Young man needs a truck. Dad's got a truck that he's been working on for a long time. Finally builds it up just the way he wants it. First time I see the truck, I'm like, that is what I've wanted forever. Nice, nice truck. He went from one end of it to the other, rebuilt his truck. And he gives it to his son. His son, like many teenage boys, gets out there, shows out in it, right? Spins tires and does all that stuff. And eventually the truck ends up in the ditch and is tore up. And it's way more truck than the young boy can handle and fix. Young men don't make what old men make, do they? Oftentimes they don't make the same kind of money. They can't afford them big trucks. Can't afford to fix them. Can't afford to keep them going. Got to the point where the truck's just sitting in the yard broke all the time. He can't do nothing with it. But the boy still needs a way around, don't he? He still needs means of transportation to get to a job. And the dad says, don't worry. I'll buy it back from you. And you can take that money and go buy you a truck that you can afford. And I'm thinking, he's lost his mind. Why would he do that? I mean, he built a truck. He built, I mean, he took, he did everything. He did all the work to it himself. He paid for it. He built his truck. He gives it to him. He wastes it away. Ruins it. And then he buys it back. Does that sound like anybody to y'all? I'm like, why would a man do that? Why, why would he buy the truck back? But that's exactly what God the Father has done. He, he, before, he knew what we were going to do. He knew everything, how we would think. He knew how we were going to act. All the mistakes we were going to make. He knew how our heart was going to break. And he says, you know what? I created you. I made you with a purpose and everything, but you've blown it. But I have made the necessary, I've done everything that needs to be done to buy you back. I've paid for you twice now. I, I, I really have the awful time to understand it, but I, I don't have to totally understand it, do I? You don't either. All we've got to do is accept it. 
That's what he's done. Amazed by it. I love this right here, verse 24. But God. But God. Does that speak to y'all the way it does me? Here it is, Peter. I mean, I can relate to him. I mean, he, he made so many blunders and he made so many mistakes. Messed up so many times. But God stepped into his life. Over and over and over again, you see in the Bible these, these people that we read about, they done this, they done that wrong, they got this wrong. But when God showed up in their life, when God stepped in, when God, when God, when God, and that's what, exactly what here I hear. We've messed up. These people have messed up. Peter's laying it out there. Look what's happened. Y'all have crucified the, the Messiah, Christ, Jesus. Holy Lamb of God. You've crucified Him. But God... But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at the right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. I think back of being in school. And walking in those classes and the teachers say, all right, get out your pen and paper. We got a test to take. What test? I told you about a test. I forgot about the test. I didn't study for the test. This is hopeless. Head down. It's hopeless. I'm going to fail. And these other things we face in life, we know what it feels like to be hopeless. I'm going to hopelessly fail right here. But you and I don't have to live hopeless lives because of what Christ has done. We don't have to live. We can live in hope. My body can live in hope. I can rejoice because of the great things that He does. I don't have to be moved. I can't be shaken because He is with me. Always beside me. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One decay. Talking about Jesus Christ. He only laid in that tomb for three days. His body didn't even have a chance to decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. I think, man, these songs that you sang this morning, that lighthouse. Making a way for that ship to come back home. That ship is definitely me, is it you? I thank God for the paths that He's made known to us. He's brought us here to this place today. He's made known to us His Word. A way to be free. A way to be saved. Man, do y'all know hell's real? Does everybody in this room know that hell is real and that if we die in our sin, that's where we go? For eternity. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're saved and you've been saved for many years. What about everybody else? I don't want them going there either. He's made known to us the paths of life. And you will fill me with joy in your presence. I, I can't my, think about my wife, my kids right here. Man, I love coming home from work. How many of you men love to come home from work and get a hug from your wife and grab up your youngins? 
That's what I look forward to. When I get home from work, that's, that's before washing my hands, before taking care of the dogs and the chickens and all that stuff, I want to walk in the door and I want a good hug from my wife. How's your day been? All that stuff. And then I want to grab up them youngins. My babies. Man, they bring me so much happiness and so much joy. And as much time, I, there's, I would much rather be spending time with them than any of you or anybody else. I mean, that's just the truth. I love them. But then I think about in comparison to when I'm sitting in the presence of the Lord. That don't happen enough. It just don't happen enough. But every now and again, I'll rob some time away and I'll sit down and I'll start reading the Bible and I'll start listening to some good Christian music and and just kind of, Lord, speak to me right now. Lord, sit down and spend some time with me right here. I'm dedicating this, I'm making this time available so that you and I, so I can be with you. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you got into the presence of the Lord? Man, that's what I mean. Every time I really do that, every time I'm like, Lord, right now, I give this time to you. And I start reading his word. Man, there's been so many times where this thing is about soaking wet. I can't even see. But man, he's speaking volumes without even words. Just pouring into your heart. I'm here. And when you sit in the presence of God, there is nothing, nothing compares to it. That joy of being in the presence of God is far greater than anything. And that's why I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be in the presence of my Lord and see those hands and to have them wrapped around me and it never be taken from me. See, I only get to steal moments from this broken world and, and get to sit with God just a little bit of here and a little bit of there. But whenever we get to glory, it's going to be in the presence of the Lord always and it's going to be joy forever and ever and ever. Don't you want to go? Now don't you want to grab everybody that you can and take them with you? That's the heart of Peter right here. That's the heart that you and I should be having. He's preaching this message. He's laying it all out there. He's saying, look, don't you know who I used to be? Don't you say who I am today? Don't you know where all that's coming from? And don't you want to get in it too? That's what he's saying right here. Skip on down here. These people, they're hearing this message that he's uh, given to them. Verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, the Messiah. He's made it perfectly clear to them who Jesus was. He's your only hope, your only chance, your salvation. This was the Messiah, Christ Jesus Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said this, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. About 3,000 were added. Oftentimes I, I read that scripture and I see the 3,000. Man, that's where my attention goes. Those are some incredible numbers, right? 
And as preachers, we want to see people come to know Christ. And would love to be a part of seeing something like that. And I'm just going to tell you, right, there's been so many times I preach and I preach and I preach. And I come in every single time expecting this is the day somebody's going to come down. The Spirit's going to move and, and somebody's going to accept Jesus today. And to the kingdom of heaven, there will be numbers added. Every time I come to church, every time I go, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hoping for. And I don't see it. I don't see it. Too often I'll leave here feeling like, or not just here, but everywhere. Too often I end up leaving that service, pouring my heart out, and feeling like Jeremiah. He was called the weeping prophet. Preached for 70 years and it's like nobody, nobody followed him but one guy. Nobody listened but one guy. And if you study well, it don't look like he did too good at following him. I'm asking today, is there anybody here that the Holy Spirit's moved on? Is there anybody here that doesn't know for sure? I'm saved. I can stand here today and I know that I'm saved. I'll get to receive that glorious day. Kenny told me when I talked to him, he said, I'll share something that was shared with you. Share with me one time. He said, preach today like it's your last. He said, your dad told me that. He said, your dad told me to preach as if today is your last. See, my dad's gone. But I know I'm going to see him again. He's sitting in glory. He ain't got nobody that's failing him no more. He's sitting up there in glory. In the presence of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, I know that that's where I'm going. And I know that some of you know it too, but I want to know if there's one, if there's just one in here today that's a little shaken on it. We don't have to be shaken. You can have something that enables you a, a faith that's steady and strong and firm that can't be moved. I know what God says He's done. I know what God says He's going to do. And I know what God is doing. And you can too. So if it's a little unsteady, if it's a little rattled, if it's a little shaken, if it's not sure up, if you don't know you're saved, you do something about it today. You don't leave this place. I'm preaching like it's my last. You don't leave this place thinking that you got another moment. This could be your last. Let's pray. As the musicians make their way. Father God. I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. I thank you most of all for your word and your presence, God, for what you've done. For your love that you've shown. Father God, I pray right now that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know for sure, that right now, God, they get that, they get that taken care of. That your Holy Spirit move on them and give them the strength to get up and to come down front and let somebody show them how to be saved.
God, I pray your blessings poured out on everybody in this place. And God, as we go through our daily lives, may the blessings that you put on us just overflow onto everybody else. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.